This is Cat's Podcast, episode number 30. Welcome to my show, everyone. Super happy to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Cat, I'm your host, and in this episode, I chat with George Cooper. George is a self actualization specialist who helps people empower themselves to live their fullest potential and their most fulfilled life. He questions the common concept of performance and the mindless striving for success and helps people reconnect with what matters to them. And that's actually where he sets himself apart from a lot of life coaches and performance-driven self-help advice. Basis for his work is his own life story, which brought him from being an ambitious kid and a young and very successful startup founder to a huge loss in his early 20s and eventually a complete collapse of his health. His way out, a radical change of his life and lifestyle. And nowadays it's his mission to help others find their authentic and deeply fulfilled path. At the core of his coaching approach is an honest look into what it is that is keeping us stuck in a certain place in life, what it is that is holding us back from living in a truly fulfilled and happy way. And I believe we can all relate to it in one or another way. The feeling that we have to do or that we have to achieve something first before we can be happy or at peace or at ease. And as entrepreneurs or maybe even as employees, we might feel the need to reach that next career step or make more money or finish that prestige project before we deserve and we are able to experience happiness and fulfillment. So George helps us explore what's behind these beliefs or should I say misbeliefs and helps us reconnect with our own values. In this episode, we're exploring George's own inspiring story of walking the unconventional road, why striving for success is often linked to a feeling of lack, why self-help strategies often fail when it comes to true change and lasting happiness, and why performance and fulfillment don't have to be opposites, but can go together. I find this last one especially interesting because when we think about personal growth or self-actualization, performance seems more like a thing that we want to shed, that we want to get rid of. So it's either performance or it's chilling at the beach, but not both. So stay tuned to hear why it doesn't have to be this way. And make absolutely sure to listen to the last five minutes. George gives some great tips and thought-provoking questions for you on how to use your current circumstances as a feedback loop to discover more authenticity, ease, and freedom. Enjoy. Yeah, how are you today? Yeah, really good. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. Mm. Just just did a nice little meditation before our before our chat. Uh, oh good. Just to just That's... to grind myself. But um yeah, I actually had a really nice day. This week I have a few clients who are on holiday or have, have having other priorities. And it's been so good. So I, this morning I just had like all morning to myself uh, to just oh. do things that I normally don't have time to do. Oh, that's amazing. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, I also did my my morning practice, but then I had mm. to hop into the shower afterwards. So mm. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm very happy to to have you on today, George. Welcome to my podcast. Um so yeah, your morning sounds or this morning sounded pretty good. So how how do your mornings normally look like? Is it it's not always that relaxed? Are you it's, no, it's not always that relaxed. It's actually quite quite interesting because a lot of people say when people ask me, hey, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I run a coaching business. And um, and there's this like instant reaction, oh, that that's so chill. So you can just do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, not really. Like I'm, I'm running a successful coaching business, which means is that I'm, I'm, I'm setting my time. So most of the time I'm serving other people, which, which I really enjoy, which I like. Um, but it means that, that, yeah, most of the time I'm in service of other people. Um, yeah, my mornings are, um, yeah, they're, they're, 
let's say I live in Bali and my mornings are a little bit different than most people's mornings because here we really use the morning to start the day. So we, we wake up at five, five thirty. Um, mm. I do my morning practice, which includes some, some, some movement, often yoga, uh, breath work and meditation. And then uh, I go to the beach with the doggies. Um, and that's such a beautiful moment of the day just to start at the beach and then see them play and be in nature. Sometimes I go for a surf. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoy waking up with the light and, and uh, living in, in a warmer uh, climate. Mm. It's nice to wake up earlier and, and go to bed earlier. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Warmer climates are just so good. Yeah. yeah. I hope that one day I'm also in a warmer climate. At the moment, we're still going through a, like what feels like a second phase of winter here in Austria. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's again, pretty gray outside, but well, eventually summer will come, I guess. So, <laughs> mm. so for the listeners, um, just introducing you a little bit, you're a self-actualization specialist, empowering people to live their potential. Mm -hmm. And on your website, say you have a disruptive approach to success and well-being. So what does that mean? That's quite catchy. <laughs> It's quite catchy. Yeah. Um, it is disruptive in, in a way that it's different from the way we uh, try to achieve success and well-being. Um, or most people are trying to, to achieve success and well-being. But it's it's actually not very disruptive because it's actually it's a, it's a human approach to success and well-being, and um, to define that it 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 is it, it is that rather than achieving some idea or belief uh, or a certain position in the future that's going to make you successful, you become really who you are, and that will make you successful. So rather than letting results define who you are and how you mm -hmm. feel. You first become who you are. You step in that th through authenticity. And from there, you create the results. And those results will get you the most happiness and the most well-being and also the most growth because that's where you tap into your innate potential. Mm -hmm. It makes so much sense just hearing this because it's like, it's like chasing happiness when people think, oh, well, I, if I get that new car or if I... As you said, if I get that job promotion, then I'll be happy or if I move mm. to that new place. But eventually it's not. It's just like once you're there, then there's something else coming up that, that you want or that you are chasing after. So, yeah, the, your approach makes, makes totally sense to me. Yeah, you know, and I... Yeah, I, I think the motivation for both is, is the same. So, so we have this hunger inside of us. We have this <laughs> hunger, this motivation to actualize our potential. We all have it. But there's something along, along the road, along our journeys, and, and often this happens already in childhood, is where we need to separate ourselves from our authenticity, from our innate potential from our gifts from our personality traits from our needs from our emotions and we learn to strive for something externally that will validate our worthiness that will give us so that will give us love and belonging or that will give us self-esteem or that will give us power um, and mm. through like through that way of thinking we go out in, in in the world and we start to make these decisions and every time we feel that hunger to To actualize our potential, we look for something on the horizon. Um, we look for other people that have that power that we want or that have that kind of success that we want or a certain level of well-being. And we go after it. And then we hope that once we achieve that, then we are successful or then we are powerful or then we are happy or then, are we, then we feel great. But for a lot mm -hmm. of people, that, that, is that, that is the deception because once they reach that point, they, they have this short moment, a brief moment of like satisfaction of achieving that goal. But then they still feel like something is missing. And that is where for, for at least for some people, the realization comes, hey, um, I've, I've been giving up my authenticity and everything that I, that I have achieved is or everything, certain things that I have achieved don't even align with what is important to me. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting because when you were talking about that inner drive, 
So on one hand, we feel it, you know, we are connected to our core, but then we have problems in, let's say, translating it or bringing it out into the world, implementing it. Mm -hmm. So that was just a, just very interesting for me to um, to see when you when you um, said it like this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like working with human behavior, like we all think we're very very unique, but in a way we're also very similar to each other. We all share the same <laughs> human needs, and when we grow up in a certain culture, and especially in a certain society, like level of society, um, we often also share similar values. Um, and it's, it's just very interesting to observe how person A um, tries to get, get what they want and, and to meet their value and how person B does it. They do have the same needs. They do have the same definitions of success, but they approach it in a different way. Hmm. I'm sure we're going to dive into that deeper a little bit later, but I actually want you to tell us your story walking the unconventional road that's how you phrase it and yeah i always love starting with people's stories because that's that's the capturing moment that's the inspiration and mm. so okay well where to start i think i think just starting off in 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 early childhood um i can say i've been born with with an infinite drive to just to just explore and to walk the extra mile and basically also to, to explore the unconventional road. I've, I've always been interested in, in interested in, in doing things slightly different. And that also led to some, some um, conflict in school and, and stuff. But I was like, I want to, I want to know more. I want to learn more. There, there must be something different. Um, and then in, in, in school, that already led to that, that I, didn't, I didn't really fit into the school system, um, probably because of that, that drive, but also because of my personality. Like I'm, I'm very introverted, I'm sensitive, I'm highly intuitive. Uh, I think in cause and effect, so I, I question a lot of things. Um, and in school, I had to just learn theory and you have to learn this and that is the outcome and those are the results. And that didn't work for me. And so at a very young age, I, I kind of learned that I was the black sheep and that I wasn't, that I was stupid, that I wasn't good enough. And that had a big impact on me. Um, mm. And at the same time, I, um, I became very good at, at playing field hockey, basically from, from the start, especially like in, in the first years. And um, there I learned, hey, if, um, if I'm the best, I get what I want. And what I wanted was connection, recognition, admiration, um, the things that I didn't get in school. So that's already like I started playing hockey from obviously also for, from, from a place of joy and, 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 and from that innate drive to just, to just succeed, but also from a place of lack. And I learned if I'm the best, then I'm loved, then I'm accepted, then I'm recognized, then I'm admired. And basically, that I started using that pattern for, for everything in my life. So from, from the age of, let's say, 12, 13, I started um, applying it to each and everything in my life. Um, and, well, I, I graduated from university. Then I had a few corporate jobs, did the same thing. And in those corporate jobs, especially the last job at, a, at a DDB, um, an advertising agency, I noticed I was just hitting the ceiling. Like, mm. and it was super difficult for me because there was on the, on the one hand, there was this innate drive to just, yeah, walk the extra mile and to, actu to actualize my potential to do something with it. And on the other hand, I also, I needed it in order to fulfill that lack inside. So if I couldn't walk the extra mile, if I couldn't prove myself, it also had an impact on my, on my self-worth. Um, obviously I wasn't aware of, of all those things at that age. Um, but yeah, then I decided to, um, um, we were working on, on uh, um, we, were, we were working with, with a lot of data-driven marketing for companies like KLM and Ziggo in the Netherlands. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, based on, on what I learned, I was like, okay, hey, 
I can make this possible for smaller smaller retailers in the Netherlands. And that's how I started my startup company um, at the age of 23, and 23, 24. I started writing my business plan, raised my first investment. And um, yeah, that's where my journey started. And at that same time, uh, when I raised my first investment and we, when we were building a project, something really bad happened in my life. Um, um, except my best friend died in a car accident and mm-hmm. um, yeah that was that was that was quite tough because I was at the, at the start of, of building a of building my startup company and lots of pressure on me and at the same time I had to grieve and then like look, looking back I understand it now but it, it only put it more pressure on my on my wounds and, and and so on my drive to succeed because it, what really came up there for me is that success became even more important to me so mm. rather than taking time off and seeking connection and, and and creating time and space to grieve i became radically focused on becoming more successful and that's where like where i started to question it like how is that possible what is happening here? Why is success so important to me? Hmm. And obviously look, looking back now I understand is that like for me, success equals like acceptance, love and respect. And that's what I needed in order to give myself the permission to grieve, to open up, to have emotions, to have needs. Um, so yeah, that, um, um, that's how I started my startup journey, which became a, a, a five-year journey, which has been beautiful. We grew the team. Um, we had massive success in the Netherlands and even in Germany and Belgium. And um, and then after five years of working really, what, really hard. What was the name of the startup? Did you mention it? Fanly. F-A-N-L-Y. Um, which was it was a, it was a loyalty platform for small and medium-sized retail businesses. So basically, like Starbucks has their own mobile application, and with that mobile application, people can buy, people can order, people can receive loyalty points, they can get discounts, they can give rating and feedback, um, mm-hmm. and that's what we basically did for smaller and medium-sized retailers in the Netherlands and also in Germany and, and Belgium. Yeah, I wonder if I came across it at one point. Not sure. Could be, could be. Anyway, the, that was that was a beautiful journey. Um, but in that journey, I neglected my needs, my values. I gave everything up um, in order to succeed. Um, and obviously, that came with a price because after five years, I um, I collapsed. I ended up in the hospital with a with a blood poisoning and a breakdown of my nervous system. Um, and that forced me to step down as the CEO of that company, um, which was uh, which was very difficult. But at the same time, the best possible thing that could ever happen to me. Hmm. Because that was the moment for me. That was I was I was still laying in in, in the hospital in my in in, my, in, in, in quarantine and. It was some sort of silent retreat because I was I had to stay in quarantine for three weeks. I was hardly allowed to see any people, and I knew my life was over. Like I was in a really really bad state, and I and I also knew like so clear that I couldn't go back to that life. It was like mm. no option. Um, but obviously, it came with a lot of questions because I literally thought that I knew it all. Like I was this young, thriving startup entrepreneur. I started reading self-help books from the age of like 14. Um, and I thought it, I knew it all. And then I was I was laying there in my hospital bed, looking at the ceiling. I was like, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. The only thing I knew is that like I wasn't I wasn't able to go back. I had to I had to start over. Um, and I was I felt super, super confident in that it was like i don't know where i'm going i don't know where this is going to lead to but just like that giving up of i know it all and giving myself the permission to step out of that identity of the extreme entrepreneur and having to be the best and whatsoever was basically a relief and and Mm. and even looking back like especially with with all the knowledge that i have around like 
traumas and ad adaptive behaviors, I can see how I subconsciously, subconsciously have manifested that disease in order to give myself the permission. Okay. To get out of that situation. Huh. Get it. Yeah. That sounds like a huge moment. You know, on one hand, realizing I don't know anything and really admitting it to yourself. Mm. But then at the same time, not being shattered by that, but saying, I know I can't go back. There has to be another way. So, yeah, I love that. That sounds really intense and fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 what I and, and I'm sure we dive into that later. But it's a process that I take my clients through now. And and like sometimes they they ask me like, how did you do it? And I and I all I have to say to them is like, I've been lucky because for me it was like there was no other option. I couldn't mm. go back. Mm. Yeah, that sometimes is so true when you don't have any crutches or any yeah, not any other options. Yeah. When, yeah. There, there, when there's just no other option, it, it is actually easier because otherwise yeah. we keep holding on to the past and we, we it's very cliche, but, but we want to we wanna stay in, in the comfort zone. So our brains will always choose certainty over uncertainty. So if we don't know where we're going, we will choose for what we already know, even if it's harmful. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> mm. So... When you said, I, I just want to go back a little bit. You said you um, you had this realize, realization connected to the death of your best friend that you were basically compensating for something with the strive for success. Mm. And then your, your breakdown. So how are these two connected time-wise? Was this realization something that came like a, came slowly, that was like a progress? Or did you have that early on, but then still went down the success road, which, which led to the breakdown? Or was it kind of going hand in hand? Uh, it, it's, been, it's been a super uh, gradual process. Um... From the moment my best friend died, I remembered it in my, in my speech on his funeral. Um, I said something like, um, they may have taken you, but they will never take me. Um, that was like this, it's like, they may have taken your life, but that doesn't mean that they're going to take my happiness. And we played Happy, the song from Pharrell on his, on, on his, on his funeral. Mm -hmm. And I even have on my arm tattooed, like, happiness is the truth. And... But for me, happiness was still like the end result of being successful in my mind. Like that's, that's, that's the belief that I had. Um, and so I became laser focused on, on becoming successful because that was like success is happiness and not the other way around. And for me also was like, I need to be successful in order to be accepted. I need to be successful in order to be, in order to be liked, in order to be lovable, in order to create the time and space that I need in order to grieve. So what, what, what it really brought up for me is, is, okay. is just like that I, I that like that I was too much for other people. Like my emotions were too much. Me grieving was too much. Um, and that was actually like that that's from growing up in, 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 in a culture where we don't talk a lot about emotions. So mm -hmm. that was, that was a very slow process. And obviously like, that song happy from Pharrell that that remained like playing in my head. And at the same time, like on, on this, on this startup journey, I, I started to become more unhappy and, and um, I started to compensate a lot for that through other means, like through either working harder through partying and through, well, you name it. And um, I put a halt to that at a certain point, like very consciously, like I, I don't want to party anymore. I don't want to compensate in that way anymore. Then I got into a beautiful relationship with my stepson, which gave me a lot of meaning. And then that broke down um, and I got separated from my stepson. And that was like the, the last final piece. And then I just broke down. That was after five years of working really hard and sacrificing myself and putting the needs of, employees business partners uh, romantic partners investors above mine mm. 
and where my body just said, like, it's enough. Mm. So you already had this realization that there's something wrong, but you weren't able to grasp it fully and put a stop to it until you had your breakdown basically no it's hilarious because like or hilarious it's interesting because i've been working with with all sorts of therapists uh, for the grief process i've been working with coaches like very very uh, like top coaches in the netherlands and even internationally and especially with with those coaches most of the work was still focused on performance on performance and productivity because if i would be become better at pro productivity i would have more time for myself so they weren't able to address the real problem if i would become better at productivity i would have more time for myself i just want to capture this because i think this could be like key in our further conversation and key for so many people it's just like okay hold on so the question is what am i doing with my time if I really yeah. liberate some time. Well, and then obviously we see this a lot nowadays in, in personal development and um, in the personal development industry or in self-help, self-healing and whatsoever, where we all also promote a lot of people to meditate more or to do more breath work. But sometimes we also just need to question like, hey, what are we compensating for? Like if mm. you need two, two hours in the morning to to remain a little bit calm throughout the day then the question is hey how is how is your life aligning with what is important to you mm -hmm. yeah good point good point and the same goes for all these productivity and performance driven approaches do you really want to become more pro productive is that what you want and so we need to question hey, why do i want to become more productive Mm -hmm. do you want do you do you want to have more time time for what mm -hmm. yeah and that's yeah. that is the same with performance going back to my example of wanting to become successful yes i wanted to become successful but one of the key drivers in there as well the unhealthy drivers is i wanted to feel connected i wanted to receive love in order to grieve the death of my best friend Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, that you think you have to be successful to have that more space to be able to grieve, but not allowing it yourself mm. right up front. But I can say for myself, and as you said, you know, looking at our society, I guess that's how we tick, you know, there's always this, oh, yeah, I will do that, but later once I've finished this or that, mm -hmm. or once I've achieved this, then I have the that's, space. If I, make correct, if I may correct you there, that's how we are conditioned to tick. It's not how we tick as humans. How we are conditioned to tick, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, sure, correct me anytime, you're the expert. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Let's let's stay on that road a bit and, and dive a little bit deeper. So you you already touched on it and saying basically these a lot of the self-help tools out there are and the common performance strategies, they are often are a dead end when it comes to um, true, let's say true happiness and, and lasting change. So from, from your experience um, as a coach with your clients, your clients are high impact, high achieving people that are naturally drawn to performance and they know how to get the tools and they, they believe they know how they can implement it successfully. Um, yeah, can you, can you talk about that a little bit more, dive deeper into that? What do you mean by that? So why, why are those common performance strategies or the self-help tools that people get and understand and apply in their lives? Why are they a dead end to true happiness and, and lasting change? Well, the, the answer is very, very brief and short. Um, it's because 
they encourage people to do more of the same. And so when, when people come to me, that, that is basically at the same point as, as I've been, what most of them are not in hospital or whatever, but it's where they have the realization that their current strategies, their current way of living, the current way of leading their business is no longer serving them. It's so obvious, like, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm going to continue to live the, to live my life the way I live it or to lead my business the way I lead it, it's going to lead to a breakdown of something. Could be performance, could be employee satisfaction, employee performance, could be family life, whatever, but it's going to lead to a certain breakdown. And it's so obvious that there's no other option than to change. But before we reach that, we're not willing to give up our past beliefs. So we will, as I just said, we will always choose certainty over uncertainty. We will always choose that conventional road over the unconventional road, Mm -hmm. even if that conventional road is not giving us what we seek in life. Even if we have, if, 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 even if it's harmful. And that's when we live on, on that autopilot. Mm -hmm. So, how do you how do you proceed when someone comes to you and tells you what they've done and that there's still something missing that they're still not feeling happy that they're not yet fulfilled where do you start um yeah it's it's really i use the word unpacking a lot it's it's really just unpacking where they where they are in conflict in a certain area of their lives so so people come to me and some people come with a business problem and then it ends up being a relationship problem or the other way around but in both cases it's it's often not a business problem or a relationship problem it's a childhood problem so it's it's an Mm. unresolved issue from childhood um where we're looking at at um at unmet needs so that can be an unmet need for safety. It can be an unmet need for love and belonging or self-esteem, but it's really unpacking it to see it to eventually go back to, Hey, what is the need that you haven't been able to meet for yourself? And that is a lot of the work that I do is, is like helping them become aware of that and see if they can find more productive uh, manners in order to meet those needs. So as I just mentioned, as, as we just discussed, sometimes we don't want to become more productive or more successful. We think we have to become it in order yeah. to get something else. So that is that is a lot of the work that I do with my clients and, and how it works is, is that we don't work on all sorts of service level topics, but we really dive in on, on a certain area in their life where they experience yeah, a conflict or a challenge or like a big opportunity, but don't know how to move forward. Okay. So you start with a, you have a certain situation or a certain, I don't want to say goal, but probably a certain, or you, you phrase a challenge, right? You, they have a certain challenge and that's probably the key case you're working on with, with a particular person. Mm. Yeah, what well, the, the process is actually, it's, it's I guide them through the, through the four stages of change. And the first stage that we're all in is, is, is always denial, where we still focus on the external world. So we feel something is quite off already, but our focus on this is on the external world. So we project it. It's on, on, could be our boss. It could be the society. It could be our parents. It could be in our relationship, but it's not us. We're still in denial. Then the change, the reality of change becomes more obvious and we're, we're forced to start looking within. And that's when we go into the next stage, which is, which is resistance. So that, that brings up a lot of resistance because we don't want to look at our own weaknesses and insecurities and fears. But that is already like, I get them in that resistance phase. So that is offering that safe space that we together start to unpack what's really going on there. And then from there, if we if we start to understand more and create more awareness and, and and so people become aware of their own incompetences of their weaknesses of their fears of their insecurities then we can start exploring which means is that that instead of focusing on the certainty in other words the past is that we start exploring the future because if we if we understand the problem we can start exploring and we start redefining 
how you can approach that challenge, how you can approach or solve that problem. And in that exploration phase, we work again, we work a lot on, on, on awareness, but also new coping skills to deal with it. And eventually in the fourth phase where you go to commitment, where you really commit to changing that behavior in a certain area of your life. Mm -hmm. And what role do values play in there? I know they play a special role, but yeah, can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because you're diving into values as well with your clients. Mm, yeah, a lot. They're, they're, they're the foundation. Um, what role do values play? I think going back to that, how we approach success um, is that we aim for something in the future and then hope that it's going to um, satisfy and fulfill us. We do it because we don't know which decisions are right for us. So we pick something in the future or we look at someone, um, a certain authoritative figure that we're like, oh, you look happy or you look successful or you look powerful. I want to become <laughs> like you. So I'm also becoming a doctor or I also want to become a CEO of a certain company. Um, and we do that is, is because we, we're, we're not really aware of the things that are, that are important for us. And, and, and those are your values. Your values are basically the, the, the pillars in your life um, that when you live in alignment with them, you feel satisfied and fulfilled. And that when you live in alignment with them, you are able to thrive for a longer period of time. That's when we live in that, in that can live in that flow state. Um, so values play a very, very big role in my coaching program because obviously when when some, somebody is experiencing a conflict or a certain challenge, we start to unpack that and we start to look at, okay, hey, which values have you been suppressing? Mm. And oftentimes what, what I discover with them is, is those are values like um, authenticity, autonomy, sovereignty, but also just connection. Mm. And so what people are actually looking for, so like I said, they come to me with a business problem. What, what they're actually looking for is to reclaim their authenticity and to develop the capacity to make, to make the decisions that are right for them. So they feel confident. They, they don't feel insecure about which decision is right for me. What do I have to do now? I need to set a next big goal to get that high. And so, so I feel confident of, of going somewhere. It's just like, they feel safe in their own body, in their own awareness, knowing that the decision that they make today will lead to a more beautiful future. Hmm. It makes so much sense. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And that's what I find interesting because performance plays a key role or is like one of the key concepts in your work. Um, and What I, th well, well, I believe that we look at performance still very one-sided. You're, you already touched on it, but let's, let's go into that a little bit more. So, um, because often when we think about personal growth or self-realization or radical transformation, um, that's not directly correlated to performance, but you bring this two worlds, like the the personal growth world, let's say like that, and the performance world together in a, in a good and healthy and sustainable way. So um, what, let's, let's go into that a little bit more because um, you said it's, it's often actually quite necessary for people to have this realization, right? That these are not, two opposites end of the spectrum, but they can actually go quite well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I believe for like true peak performance requires you to tap into your innate potential. It requires you to live in alignment with your values because if you don't, you're only as good as what you learn. Mm. And you're only as good as how much energy you have left. And so... In our world, we often um, see people relying on a lot of willpower and force. 
and they only become as good as I already said, as, as, as much as they can learn out of books and from other people. But they don't have access to that innate capacity that's within them because they are separated from it. Then another part, if, if we move through life, if, 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 if we sacrifice, if, if we neglect our needs and sacrifice our values, we can never perform in the long run. Hmm. These are our basic human rights and, and, and um, Maslow called them our neurotic needs. If we don't meet our basic needs, we become irrational, we become selfish, we become impulsive. And that will affect our performance. That makes us like egoic leaders. That makes us super reactive. That literally um, narrows our view. It puts people in this, I know it all, like, like I did in my startup phase. So unable to learn new things or take on new perspe perspectives. These are all things that are, that are necessary for the infinite game, for a true peak performance. And so if we, if we really want to um, actualize our potential and then truly make impact and, and play, the, play the long game, then we must combine the two. Mm -hmm. And in our pre-chat, you said that's also something a lot of people struggle with, right? When they, they know it's the right time to make a change, maybe they quit their job, they move to Bali, they hang out at the beach and then after a while they're like oh something's missing again or i don't that's not me they kind of feel it mm. so then we can bring kind of bring performance back in and look at it and and yeah, see it's it's, yeah. yeah it's in the it's in the end it's finding wow. finding that, that that middle ground i think people that have been overachieving for too long and whether they burn out or not, or they got so sick of the, of the, of the system that they were in or the company that they worked for, whatever reason, um, some of them have a tendency to go to the other side of the spectrum is I am so free now, or I'm, I become a, a yogi and whatsoever. And they go from like the, the young, the doing to the mm -hmm. yin, to the non-doing. And, what they do there is is that they separate themselves from something that is important to them because obviously they 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 were on that path of performance for a reason because they value it and then they separate themselves from something that's important to them and they're going to seek it on the other side of the spectrum so we basically escape from that world where we didn't have the capacity to show up for ourselves to set boundaries both for ourselves and for our other people. But what we do, what we also do there is when we go to the other side of the spectrum is that we separate ourselves from something that is important to us because obviously we're, we were on that path because growth mm. and performance are still important to us. And when we separate for us from ourselves, we, we start to miss it. And I, so I think the end goal is, is to find that middle ground where we can be at peace with ourselves where we can fully show up and where we can still perform. Mm. And so that, so it's, it's, it's really separating performance from having to neglect your needs and values and bringing them together. Yeah. And that is for me so interesting to see and hear and to look at it because, because I believe it really brings a new perspective to the whole discussion when you don't see performance as something evil, but maybe as part of your true nature or your purpose, but you only have to rephrase it and live it, live it in a more healthy and whole way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I spoke around this topic lately on, a, on, a, on another podcast is, we just we also just need new role models and that's that's one of ma my main drivers is is to help create those role models is that we grow up and that we can see people build incredible businesses whilst that that they're also taking care of themselves and whilst they're good parents to their children mm. yeah because we can we can build thriving businesses without having to sacrifice the things that are important to us 
And for me, that was my, like, I never decided to move to Bali. I only wanted to come here to distance myself and to give myself a chance to recover and gain some new perspective. And I gained new perspective because I saw successful entrepreneurs, very successful entrepreneurs doing it in a different way. Mm. I saw them going out for a serve in the morning. I saw them in, in a happy and thriving relationship. I'm like, okay, wow. Life can also be lived that way. Yeah. It's not just getting up at five, drinking a coffee, going to the office, being all day behind a screen. And yeah, I love yeah. that. I wrote down one of the questions you raised in our pre-chat. Um, there you said, well, maybe the key question for, for a lot of people is, why is or why was performance so important for me? There's something else that's more important. What's driving me? So... Yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah, I think um, it's it's what I just discussed already. Like with a lot of clients that come to me, I call it uh, the, the first mountain syndrome, and I, I borrowed that from David Brooks, who wrote a whole book about it. Um, is we set out on these journeys with a certain promise that if we achieve X, Y, Z, then we're happy. Um, and so for a long time, we think we want to be successful and perform or become more productive. Um, but if, and, and that's, that's climbing up that first mountain and at the top of that mountain, we, something is promised to us, whether it's power, whether it's status, whether it's recognition, whether it's happiness, whether it's the right to be authentic, to finally show ourselves to the world and speak our truth, to finally be a valued member of society, to finally be acknowledged by your parents. I don't know what it is, but There are, there are a variety of reasons for this. But once we're up there and we notice like, and, and most people need to walk up that mountain a couple of times to come to that realization. In other words, they set another goal and another goal and they need another promotion and they need to raise another investment. But at a certain point, they come up this first mountain and again, they're like, this ain't working for me anymore. This is not why I'm doing it for. And that's when they start to question, like, why is performance so important to me? What do I get when I reach that top of the mountain? What's that, that short relief that I get there? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm after? What is the underlying promise? And even more important, what is it that I want to feel? Because in the end, we're just chasing feelings. Yeah. Which brings us back to the values, I guess, that are driving us inside. Are they also directly well, correlated to the feelings? Mm. The way I shape the value systems are directly related to our psychological needs, our basic psychological needs. And those are obviously related to our emotions. So when mm -hmm. we are in conflict with them, when we neglect them, we experience all sorts of emotions from sadness to anger to resentment and, and so on. And when we live in alignment with them, we experience all sorts of positive emotions from love, belonging, peace, fulfillment. So they're, they're, they're definitely connected, yeah. Hmm. But I think in the end, what, what we're all looking for is like, it's, it's like, what is it that we want to feel? We want to feel safe in order to live our truth, in order to live our values, in order to unleash our innate potential. But in order to feel safe, we still believe that we first need to become someone or earn a certain, earn something from society or for, from, from certain people mm -hmm. in our life. That's actually one point I want to I touch on. 
this feeling of safety because that's often what you know keeps us from walking the unconventional road that's why so many people don't do it because they feel oh well if i'm leaving this if i'm leaving my momentary home base i i'm not i'm not safe anymore so you you already talked a little bit about, about bridging these two worlds you know or these these two roads the unconventional road and the conventional road and i want to go into this just a little bit more because on my podcast there are a lot of people speaking about their freedom lifestyle how they made that leap of faith how they made it made their dream come true left that Un left that conventional life to the unconventional life so how can we bridge that also in regards to the feelings because you said um, to the values and you said values are basically an extension of our gut feelings and that was something mm. that really resonated with me mm. yeah um, beautiful things I, I, I love that that's indeed how I explain it it often like it allows us to trust our gut feeling again. So um, in, in my latest article, I, I, I gave the example, like if somebody breaks down our door with any permission, it's very obvious to us that somebody is violating our privacy and, and, and personal space, like our personal space. And most likely we will defend against it or even fight against it, whether it's calling the police or, or getting this person out of your house, right? Mm -hmm. But when other things in our life happen, far more on like a personal and emotional level, if someone is breaking down our authenticity, so when somebody is violating our boundaries or our needs, we have that same feeling. We, we know and feel that it isn't right, but we can't tap into it with our conscious awareness. So we, 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 don't, we don't have that connection between our gut feeling and our conscious awareness. So what we do is we, we push those feelings away. But when we start honoring those feelings by looking at the areas where we experience tension, conflict and those things, we can start looking, okay, which values have you been suppressing? And we can start defining and articulating these values that we know exactly what it is, what we need in those situations, which allows us to put boundaries in place, but also to make decisions that are aligned with those values. And that is the process that allows people to go on the unconventional road in a more gradual and gentle way, because it doesn't have to be always like, I live in Berlin now, I'm a high performer and I'm going to live in Bali. It doesn't have to be that way. Like, like we've been speaking about it. You can just walk that, that or stand in the middle ground, walk the middle road. Maybe you don't even have to leave your job because sometimes that's just an escape. Maybe it's about developing the capacity to express certain boundaries and to make decisions that are right for you. Maybe you figure out that it's actually a very nice working environment and that it's not so much about the environment not honoring your needs, but about you not honoring your own needs. And that's the same for a relationship. Sometimes we're like very positively surprised by how well people are willing to treat us if we treat ourselves in the right way. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes But we also come to the realization that we've been um, working in a very toxic environment or that we've been in a very toxic relationship. So that and we get, we come to those realizations through stepping forward through reclaiming our authenticity, through expressing our needs, and we know it's okay, hey, there's just no space for me here. And mm -hmm. as, a as a child, you were dependent on your environment. You were fully dependent on, on the support of your parents in order to survive. But as grown-up adults, we, we have an opportunity to leave. We have an opportunity to set out on our own journey. And again, then when we understand what we are in conflict with, then it also becomes easier to make decisions that are right for us to choose that next option. It gives us a certain sense of confidence. I know mm -hmm. what's right for me. 
confidence and then we have the safety in there again that feeling of safety being sure about something and we don't need goals anymore so a lot of a lot of times when i speak on podcasts one of the last questions is okay what's your ambition what are your goals i do have i have a vision i have ambition i do have goals because they're great for planning and it allows me to to increase the performance of the company and and to make more impact but i don't need goals in order to feel safe because goals are also keeping me away from letting things unfold the way they have to unfold. And I, I know by now after walking or after being on this journey for four years and truly living in alignment with my values and refining them over and over again, I know that the decisions I make today result in a brighter future. Mm. Because I have so much evidence that the decisions I make are in alignment with the things that are important to me. So I don't need a goal. I don't need to know where I'm going because I can trust. I know that my decisions will lead me to a, a brighter and more meaningful place. That is so beautiful. It takes away a lot of the stress in life. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and also a lot of the pressure of getting to a certain point in your life because then you're happy or then you can rest. Yeah. And that's the thing we're just constantly fighting, right? This, Oh, once I'm there, I will have peace in my mind. Once I'm there, I will be happy once I'm there. And when you just said you don't need goals. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's the true liberation. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You can give up control. That's the beautiful thing. And, and obviously, if you speak about safety, you speak about trust because you trust that you make the right decisions. You trust that life will unfold for you, not against you, for you. So when you truly live from that place, like from a place of authenticity and wholeness, then you don't need control. And a very simple example, I've been working with, with my agency on the new branding and a new website and we're fully in it and it's, it's going to be amazing. And last week they reached out to me that they need like 10 more days, maybe two weeks. And literally what came up to me is like, yeah, it's fine. Whereas my old self would be like, no, it needs to be live at that date because that will lead to this and that. I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Yeah. I think it's a, yeah, it's really a breeze of, of ease for, for a lot of people listening. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's what I wish for a lot of people that those are my hopes. I would love to close, although this, these were beautiful closing words, mm. I would love to close with a, more of a concrete tip for the listeners if that's possible you said or i think you wrote it on your website use your current circumstances as a feedback loop to discover and integrate the untapped parts of your potential so where could anyone start you know looking around at how they live how they do things how they feel where where could they start to just open up or bring back in a bit more ease and freedom well first of all looking where you experience that ease and freedom so what are the what are the current peak experiences in your life where you feel truly fulfilled where you feel satisfied where you feel loved and um, if those things are already available that's then super simple exercises is just asking yourself hey how can i cultivate more of this How can I cultivate more of this in my life? And what it, what is needed to do that? That is the easy part. But obviously, like we've been speaking a lot about internal tension, internal conf conflicts or even external conflicts, challenges in our lives. And that's where the big opportunity is because if these peak, peak experiences are already there, we're naturally drawn to them. So that that's all good. But it's the challenges that we often walk away from because we don't really know how to cope with them. 
So to make it a little bit more practical is, is I would, I would ask you to just literally sit down and, and, and ask yourself, Hey, where in my life am I experiencing tension, conflict, or a challenge? What is happening there? What is happening there? And get clear on that. And if you have clarity, you can go deeper there. Why is it happening? Hmm. Is it happening because of external circumstances? Are you completely powerless? And I'm inviting the listeners there to start speaking from an I statement. To take back all the responsibility. So I experienced this because I do X, Y, Z. Because I allow people to cross my boundaries. Because I choose to do the, do, do, do. From there, you can answer the question as like, how am I coping with this challenge? Am I suppressing it? Am I pushing it away? So I don't have to deal with it. Am I compensating for it? So yes, the challenge is there or the tension is there, but I choose to comp compensate for it through, could be binge, binge watching Netflix, could be shopping, could be socializing, could be being even more busy. So I don't have to deal with those feelings. Or am I truly, truly taking responsibility to solve the problem? And if you're not, not yet taking full responsibility to solve that problem, then the question is, what would that look like? What would that look like if I take full responsibility for solving this problem? Yeah, wow. That's a full day of work. Probably even more. <laughs> Yeah, I love yeah. that. Thank you so yeah. much. That's, um, I hope You're you welcome. guys listening are walking away with a, with a good impulse um, of food for thought and um, are keen to sit down and, and yeah, just observe yourself and, and self-study yourself a bit more. Mm. So if people are intrigued now working with you, I will link to your website in the show notes. Do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? Or is it also group classes? Um, I do mainly like for 95% of the time I do one-on-one -on -one coaching because I strongly believe that that's the most powerful way to impact, um, to make an impact. And I do once every two months, I have a group workshop called Reclaiming Authenticity. Um, which is about reclaiming your authentic nature, your innate potential in a certain area of your life, which includes a lot of the value work and setting boundaries. And then, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an inclusive group of 15 people, max. Okay. So is that also possible online? Yeah, it's also possible online. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fully COVID ready, so everyone around the world can join. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> Very, yeah amazing um is there anything else you would like to add anything we didn't touch on or you would love to tell the listeners no like i think we had a beautiful closure with um, um using your life as a feedback loop like the experiences in your life as a feedback loop to to explore and expand your innate potential and um Yeah, get, getting curious rather than defensive. So rather than being defensive uh, towards the things that are out of alignment and projecting things outward, it's like really getting curious what is going on and what can I learn from it and make it that little self-study um, to learn more about yourself and, and eventually to get to that question, hey, what would it look like if I take 100% responsibility for my life? How could I better cope with this? Yeah, so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, for being here, for, Thank you for sharing, having me. sharing your wisdom and yeah. Thank you so much for this very deep conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
All right, I hope you liked this episode. I hope you're leaving with a good portion of food for thought. So let us know what you think. Were there any aha moments in there for you? What was most fascinating? Send us an email. You can find my email below in the show notes or you can find us on Instagram and send us a message there. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked this episode, please share it with friends, share it on your socials. And if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can also please leave a five-star rating and a little review if you're inspired. Thank you so much. Every share helps to spread my mission of freedom and empowerment. And uh, yeah, very grateful for you listening. And I hear you next time. Bye-bye.